Manisha, thank you for joining me this uh, this morning. How are you doing? Mike, I'm doing great. Happy to be here with you. Likewise. Hey, I think we're going to hit a subject that, uh, well, maybe I speak from personal experience here. Uh, a subject that is causing a lot of people anxiety right now. It's been causing them anxiety for for, you know, probably a majority of their adult life. And that is money. Yes. Money. So, you know, you've written your new book and, and I'm excited for this. Um, and, and you talk about this culture of, of never enough. Um, really, you know, you talk about healthy spending. What does that really look like? What do you mean by healthy spending? So I define uh, financial health, which one of the major components of that is your spending as being able to meet your everyday uh, obligations without any level of stress, knowing you have something set aside for emergencies and knowing that you're putting something aside for the future for whatever purposes you are interested in doing so. And you'll note that's not a number. I didn't give you a number. No, that's a, it's, it's a good point. Um, how do you, let me ask this then. How do you identify what truly is required for your everyday yeah, What, what I, gets I'm, people in hot water financially? Perfect, perfect follow-up. So my favorite framework and set of numbers is something Elizabeth Warren came up back when she was a bankruptcy professor at Harvard Law. She calls it the balanced spending rule. And it says 50% of your take-home pay goes to needs, 30% to wants, 20% to savings. And when you live in that framework, and it fluxes, if you live on the East or West Coast, you'll likely spend more than 50% on your needs. But 50, 30, spend, 50, 30, 20, that's the way to figure out what your healthy spending looks like for your income level. Okay, then how, uh, how do you manage the competing demands on your cash, uh, especially with... Uh, Seems like everyone is getting into a lot of debt these days, especially those with student loans, which we it's been in the headlines, uh, you know, with, with the president trying to do student loan forgiveness. How do you deal with those competing demands? What, what's the best advice you give to uh, to everyday people like myself? I remind people that debt is a four letter word uh, for a reason. Sometimes you use it with good reason. Um, but it, when you are paying down your debt, you are essentially saving. So when you think about that 50, 30, 20 rule, if you can take aside 20% to make additional payments, whether it's your mortgage, your student loan payments, your car payments, your credit card payments, above and beyond the monthly minimum, you will be amazed depending on the interest rate, how dramatically it reduces the time to pay that debt back in full. Uh, smart, the, the 50, uh, 30, 20 rule, it sounds so simplistic in nature yet so difficult for a lot of people. Does it just come down to simple discipline of budgeting out and actually looking at what you're spending and having the, the commitment to set you know that 20% aside to savings when it immediately comes in? The simplest way, yes, is to cut that 20% off, just like the simplest way to be to exercise is to do it first thing in the morning. But what it really requires is an understanding of the balance between needs and wants, because many of us have confused our, I need a car, 
but how much of a car do I need? Do I need a car that is $60,000 or do I need a car that's $20,000? And so the exercise, the hard part is not numerical, it's emotional. It's deciding what really is a need and what really is a want because the wants can be paired back. And the needs, you don't necessarily need to be buying a house and having a huge mortgage. You can rent for a while. There's nothing wrong with renting. Okay, then this really gets into the culture of never enough. And we are inundated with it. We are, especially with the advent of social media, which advent, but it's been around for close to two decades now. Everyone shows how much they have, except people don't know how much those people are either in debt and, and sort of putting off this uh, portrayal of a life that they can't afford. But how do you, how do you recommend fighting off that culture of never enough and living within your means? I think the most important thing is to understand that the vast majority of images that we are seeing, whether it's on social media, whether it's on TV, whether it's what our neighbors are doing, is causing people extreme financial stress. Most people I meet, whether you're making 100,000 a year or a million dollars a year, and I'm not kidding, are living beyond their means. And so it all comes back to reassessing, am I using a, a, flaw, a flawed self-worth anchor, some kind of possession, some, you know, where I go on vacation as a, a signal for who I am worth? And that's where you can start peeling back the layers and making sure that your enough is what's feeding your soul, not the image you want to project to the outside world. So in the book, uh, and again, guys, that is Money Zen, the secret uh, to finding your enough. You talk about eradicating this soul-destroying belief, and I love that, that term, soul-destroying belief, that self-worth equals net worth. But as I read that line, I, I sort of caught myself that, yeah, you know, I sort of evaluate a person's worth based off their financial wealth as well. And, and it's not intentional. It's not meant to be demeaning, but we automatically see somebody with a lot of money. So oh, that must be a great individual when, uh, let's be honest, I've met a lot of people that are rich in the bank and extremely poor in character. But how do you go about telling your readers how to destroy this, uh, the belief that self-worth necessarily uh, correlates to your net worth? Yeah, first let me just say I'm 53 years old and I spent... 40 of those 53 years living my life to optimize the equation self-worth equals net worth. And what happens when you do that is you generally end up emotionally bankrupt. So the steps um, are first understanding what are the factors that led you to tie your, your self-worth to such a toxic equation. And they're a multi faceted buckets, personal experiences, cultural experience, societal, even evolutionary biological factors. But understanding how you got to that thinking is the, the, the most important step. And then the second step is to replace that yucky equation, self-worth equals net worth, with a much healthier equation. And the one I like to use is financial health plus emotional wealth equals money zen. So let's get into that. You stole my next question. You said this is the new formula for a rich life. Yeah. And when you say the word rich, you're not talking about, again, uh, the, the, the greenback. You're talking about an emotionally and spiritually rich life. Correct. Although I, I'm not going to say money doesn't matter. I mean, if you don't have money, you're going to be completely stressed out. 
What I want people to understand, however, is that, um, and this is research-based, a new uh, group of uh, professors uh, from Princeton and Penn came together and they identified that there is a certain level of income, and it's different for all of us, but above that level, our happiness will not increase. Our life satisfaction will not increase unless it's on a layer of emotional well-being. Numbers different for everyone, but if we ignore the soul, spiritual, happy side of ourselves, um, money will not fill that hole. Again, one of the, uh, the, the, the second last concepts I want to talk about, uh, joy-based spending. I love how you phrase that. It, it, please explain that for, uh, for all of us. Super. So joy-based spending is all about extracting the maximum amount of joy out of every dollar that you spend. It's the opposite of budgeting, but it actually gets you to the same place. It has three steps. The first one is to do a, a, a joy audit. If you can do it for a month, that's optimal. If you only do it for a weekend, all right. Write down everything you spend money on. Do it with pencil and paper so you feel it. When you're done with the period, take out a yellow highlighter, highlight anything you spent money on that didn't bring you happiness. Classic example I see. Um, you go out to drinks with, uh, or go out to dinner with a couple and um, they order a super expensive bottle of wine and you're not drinking and you split the bill at the end and no matter how lovely the conversation was, you're seething, cut that out. Um, invite them over for a BYOB night at your place. Um, Second step is to um, do uh, to use um, a, a ruler, um, and it's a, a metric um, to. If most of us work about two thousand hours a year on work-related activities. So if we're earning a hundred thousand dollars a year, divided by two thousand, that's fifty dollars an hour before tax. So now, if you see something that costs five hundred dollars, you do the math. You divide it by 50 and you say, is this worth more than 10 hours of my life's energy? Answer could be yes, answer could be no, it's up to you, but now you have a ruler. So um, the financial ruler is the second step. And then the third step is the power of the pause, especially because the internet makes it so easy to buy things quickly. So I encourage people, if it's not an absolute essential, Put it in your cart, let it sit there for a week, come back. If it's something in the store, take a photo, let it sit on your phone. You'd be amazed how much leaky money you find when you do these three steps that you then can reallocate to stuff that makes you happier or paying down that, that debt. We are a culture of instant gratification and we call it the five minute rule. Just take five minutes, go do something else. And if you forget about it or if you come back, you have a, uh, a different perspective. So uh, before we close out, I've got two more questions, but this one, this sentence sort of made me uh, pause. It was, it was sort of counter uh, to, to, to what I believe, but it said experience achieving less as a real path to lasting success. You've got to explain this one for me. Yeah. When I first heard that phrase, achieve less, I wanted to dry heave. I mean, like nothing in my life has ever been about achieving less. And what I've come to realize is that we so idolize being busy and there's more stimuli coming into our lives than ever before in history that we have to cut things out. 
And using the term achieve less is very jarring. And it's jarring for a purpose because a lot of us are striving for goals or projects that actually when we step back and we, we ask ourselves for what, for what am I doing this? The answer very well might be for no good reason. And so I, when I say achieve less, I'm not saying be a sloth and sit on the sofa. What I'm saying is give yourself permission to live at the same time that you are doing activities that nourish you professionally um, and personally. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I probably need to take a taste of that uh, of that medicine. For those listeners, one, pick up the book, Money's End, The Secret to Finding Your, uh, your Enough, and the fact that it provides an actual roadmap to sort of eliminating these, these self-sabotaging uh, uh, efforts. But for someone who's living in the fast lane, it seems like all of us are because of social media and, and as you said, all these the, the stimuli, stimuli being thrown at us nonstop. What are sort of your top three rules? One, I know we talked about the uh, 50, 30, 20. I love that. I've heard something very similar to that before, but what are your top three rules for you personally when it comes to spending and finding happiness, not only within your money, but outside of your money? Yeah, so the first thing I like to do is periodically ask myself if $50 million dropped on my head after tax and on the same day I got a diagnosis that I'm going to die in five years, what would I stop doing and what would I start doing? And that will lead you to some very fascinating answers if you go deeper in that. So that's the one tool I love. Another tool I love um, is when I'm feeling discombobulated, so many of us buy things when we're feeling emotionally un unsettled, whether it's stress from work or exhaustion from, you know, building our businesses or our careers. So I like to ask the question, to whom or what do I need to connect in this moment to move myself one step closer to happiness? Because Oftentimes our finances get in the toilet because we're spending them on things or spending our money on things to make us happy when really it might be connection to another human being or connection to ourselves, a moment of silence. Um, and then the, the third and final tool that I recommend that people use is something um, I learned from small children under the age of three. You talk to them, they'll ask you why, and then why, and then why. And fascinatingly, they will get you down so far in that subject matter that oftentimes you'll be like, you know what? I don't know the answer why. And so that's the question that we need to ask ourselves if something is stressing us out. Um, and we are, um, particularly when we're, we're feeling financially stressed. That is, that is beautiful. We can learn from three-year-olds. Absolutely. Uh, Manisha, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm looking forward to picking up the, uh, the book again for the viewers, Money's End, The Secret to Finding You're Enough. I think uh, for, for, for the listeners, uh, it, it's undeniable that money is probably one of the, the largest sources of our anxiety and our problems in our, our life. Um, again, I've met a lot of people that are rich in the bank and poor in character. It does not define who you are uh, especially in this down economy, you know, I can't, can't thank uh, Manisha enough for giving a f uh, us a few tips to reevaluate our relationship with money and how we utilize it uh, both for the good 
and uh, in our future. Manisha, thank you so much. And where can people find you? Uh, do you have a personal website? I do. I like to keep things simple. So my whole life is at moneyzen.com. Learn about the book, find my uh, social accounts, etc. Okay. So many moneyzen.com. We'll drop that within the article. And for everyone, Manisha, I can't thank you enough for your time. And for everyone, thanks for listening. Please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this platform and leave a review. We actually do read them and it's the mechanism for which we get better. So I appreciate it. All right. Thanks y'all.